Well, as always, it's good to be with you all uh, this Sunday afternoon, and uh, uh, it uh, may be my final time to be with you in a while, because I hear that next week you have a wonderful candidate, exciting news, you've got a wonderful candidate coming who may very well become your pastor. Now, I will miss seeing you all, but however, even the best of pastors have to take, in fact, you should make sure that he takes his four weeks vacation and his two weeks study leave. So we'll have opportunities to get together. So uh, anyway, I'm happy to fill in. I'd be happy to fill, fill in for him at those times. And, uh, may, and you know, I, I'm just overjoyed that you have found, or maybe have, I know you've got to all agree on it and vote and all that, so let's not get ourselves ahead of ourselves, right? <laughs> but, uh, and then the presbytery has to vote and all that sort of thing. But uh, I'm, I'm pleased and thrilled for you that you've gotten this far. And uh, let's just uh, see what the Lord has for us, right? And so, uh, anyway, it's been my pleasure. And and I have to say, it's been my pleasure all the way back to the beginning, meeting in the Moore's house, I think it was, wasn't it, that uh, we, at that very first, or the first one when you invited someone from Presbytery to come, and uh, we came down here, I think they maybe sent me down here because I was a Buckeye, right, <laughs> living in Ann Arbor, they figured I had a little bit of, you know, uh, would understand you all here in Toledo, because there's a lot of Buckeyes and Wolverines here in the Toledo area, right? So uh, it's been my pleasure, and it'll be my pleasure, I'm sure, to find out who this new um, pastor uh, or pastor candidate is, and to uh, just join you in prayer. I'll be praying this week that you'll have uh, uncommon wisdom, uh, you know, among yourselves, uh, to because the hope is that he would stay here for quite some time, uh, I would assume. Uh, long pastorates, I mean, I just finished a 29-year one, and uh, at least if the people want you there and you want to be there, <laughs> they can be very, very good for the church. So that's, that's certainly what we'll pray for. So, yes. Yeah. So today I wanted us to look at the prophet Isaiah, and... Um, Isaiah has, uh, I think I've probably preached from different parts of the book of Isaiah here for you. Um, I'm not sure that I ever did Isaiah 6. I'll tell you a quick story before we get into this. Uh, there's, a, there's a little PCUSA church across town from us that um, a woman was pastoring, a wonderful woman, and she said to me sort of secretly, she said, you know, I, I would rather have you EPC guys preaching for me when I'm gone than some of the PCUSA guys, because she said, I know that you're actually going to preach the word and preach Jesus and him crucified. And so she was, she was a wonderful, wonderful lady. Uh, but uh, anyway, I was there and I was preaching on Isaiah 6. And as you know, Isaiah 6 is quite the passage. And uh, they were used to, she, she preached actually from a stool because she had had MS uh, she was amazing. She had MS. She went to Yale Divinity School, kept her faith, which is kind of an amazing thing, was charismatic and was a part of the uh, PCUSA. So she cut across all sorts of uh, traditional boundaries, if you will. 
And, uh, but she would preach about 20 minutes, you know. Now, we're used to preaching about 30 minutes at Knox. And I will say that day, because of Isaiah 6, I got a little bit wound up. <laughs> and I probably preached closer to 40 minutes. And an older gentleman, as I was standing at the door at the end of the service, he says to me, he shakes my hand, looks me in the eye, and he says, young man, I was a bit younger then. He says, young man, now that was a full message. <laughs> And you can take that any way you want, you know. That was a full message. <laughs> Either he was bored, you know, 10, 15 minutes ago, or maybe he just loved it, you know. So he was quite the uh, diplomat, right? Uh, so anyway, Isaiah is the, the Mount Everest of uh, Hebrew poetry. He's quoted more times in the New Testament than any other Old Testament prophet. Uh, and, and in a sense, his book, or his yeah, his, his, yes, his book, the book of Isaiah, is a little bit like uh, a mini Bible, isn't it? Because there's 66 chapters in Isaiah, and 66 books in the Bible. And the first 39 chapters of Isaiah are much like the Old Testament in that they, uh, they really focus in on the holiness of God, the justice of God, uh, the glory of God, and the, and the 27 last chapters of the book, or uh, 29, I'm sorry, 20, yeah, 27, are a little more about the compassion and the grace of God, a little bit more like what we see in our New Testament. So let's look at uh, Isaiah 43, and so this is a part of the, you know, after the, after the uh, when it starts at verse, uh, or chapter 40, where he starts to look more at God's compassion and his grace and that sort of thing, uh, on the nation of Israel. So Isaiah uh, 43 verses 1 through 7 I'll be reading. This is God's word. But now thus says the Lord your creator O Jacob and he who formed you O Israel. Do not fear for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. And you, when you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I have given Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in your place. Since you are precious in my sight, since you are honored and I love you, I will give other men in your place and other peoples in exchange for your life. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth everyone who is called by my name and whom I have created in my glory, whom I have formed, even whom I have made. This is the word of God. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we come to you now and uh, we praise you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for uh, this opportunity that we have, Lord, to 
worship you. We have already been worshiping and confessing our sin and, and understanding and, and praying for your forgiveness. And now, Lord, uh, uh, open your word to us, Lord. Uh, we pray that the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that inspired the prophet Isaiah to write these words, would inspire my words and would inspire our hearts, Lord, that you would illumine us beyond our own ability to think and to, uh, to understand, illumine our hearts and our minds so that we might go out of this place applying this word and not just being hearers of the word, but being doers of the word throughout our lives this week. And we pray all of this in the matchless name of Jesus and the people of God said together, Amen. Amen. Well, may I say to you that this is a particularly uh, relevant or particularly uh, a great uh, piece of scripture that, that has meant an awful lot to me because it was given to me in the middle of one of my dark nights of the soul uh, by a woman in our church, an older woman who I have to say, there's a few of these older women that really, really walk with the Lord, and I listen to them closely when they have some advice for me. And she was one of them, and she gave this to me. Now, my dark, and some of you might be able to understand, having had maybe dark nights of your own souls. Uh, mine lasted for about five months, but she gave this to me in the midst of it. And so I'm just going to give you some truths that... Uh, I gleaned out of this scripture passage, maybe some of them while I was in the midst of the dark night of the soul, but mostly probably afterwards, because in the middle of things, I wasn't understanding quite as well. There was that cloud sort of, if you understand and been there, that cloud between me and the Lord. He didn't go anywhere, but he just, uh, I, I couldn't see him as well. So the first truth uh, is that my creator, your creator, the one who formed you, who called you, he called you, each and every one of you, he called you by name. Look at our text here. It says, uh, <clears throat> in the preface uh, before this is, it says, thus says the Lord there in the first uh, verse. Now, when an Old Testament prophet or any prophet such as says, thus saith the Lord, we better sit up and take notice, shouldn't we? You remember, some of you are old enough to remember the old E.F. Hutton uh, commercials, right? EF, when E.F. When e. Hutton speaks, what? People listen, right? Well, let me tell you something. When, when uh, the prophet Isaiah or any of these prophets said, thus saith the Lord, we ought to sit up and listen, and listen very closely. Um, so the Lord, uh, it says, the creator, he formed you, he formed Israel, and he called us all by name. Now, is that amazing to you that he would call us by name? You know, there's about, what, 7 billion people that live on the face of this earth right now. Somewhere close, somewhere between 6 and 7 billion. And, and about 1 to 2 billion of those people call themselves Christians, followers of Christ. So that means that, and that's just right now. Think about all the generations that went before us that knew the Lord, that loved the Lord, and he called each and every one of them 
by name. And he knows how many hairs are on, or lack thereof, hairs are on our heads, right? <laughs> uh, he knows that. Now, may, may I say to you that uh, <clears throat> you, you know that I have six kids, and when each of them were born, when they were <clears throat> just minutes old, I, and when, the first, when they first let me hold each one, I looked into their eyes and I started to quote, and I had this ready for the first one, and so I thought, I'm gonna do this with all six. Uh, <clears throat> Psalm 139, parts of it, you know, where, where it says, God formed your inward parts and God wove you together in mom's womb. And you are fearfully and wonderfully made, and we know that so well. And then God spoke this into each of their lives, that you belong to God. You belong to him. You know, you're his. He builds this into your character. And so that is all the reason, you know, our world talks about self-confidence, but we don't need self-confidence. We need God-confidence, don't we? We need to know that we are his, that he has formed us, and he put us together in our mother's womb. That the king of kings and lord of lords, he's the one who has your purpose in life. No matter what your parentage is here on earth, and may I say yesterday <clears throat> would have been my father's 92nd birthday. He was born on October 23rd, 1929. And uh, if you look in your history books, that was one of the days, there were about three days that the stock market crashed. I think the 29th, the 26th, and the 23rd were, were the three days, or maybe there were four, I don't know, back in 1929 in October when, I mean, people were jumping out of windows in, in New York City and on and on. People lost their, all their wealth overnight and my father was born on that day and may I say to you that that he I did not know this until I was 14 he didn't know his dad my last name is his mother's last name and that was very embarrassing to him and very embarrassing to my mom when she was dating him because people would say things like why are you dating that bastard excuse my language He's going to give you bastard children. So no matter what your parentage is, see, he was embarrassed by that. But, you know, God redeemed him, and, and I believe that I will see both my parents in, in heaven one day. And, and he redeemed our heritage, and he redeems all of our heritage. No matter what your heritage is and your parentage, parentage is, if that's a word, maybe I made that up, uh, here on earth, you are one of the king of kings and lord of lords' children. You are his son or his daughter. You're not an accident. You're not a mistake. God formed you for this time and for this place, and he has a plan and a purpose for your life, and he knows the number of days that he has for you and for me and for all of us. Carter Vaughn, my um, partner, uh, colleague in ministry, and his wife, Melanie, uh, over in Ypsilanti, um, they got married when they were 23 years old, and when they were 27, she got pregnant for uh, twins. 
and she had, and some of you who are in the medical field can tell, you, tell me what it was, but something where she had to, at about 20 weeks, begin to lay with her feet up in the air to keep these twins inside her. She delivered these twins at 24 weeks, and one was 1.5 ounces, one was 15 ounces. The doctors looked at the one that was 1.5 ounces and said, he might have a chance. The one that's 15 ounces, they said, he doesn't have a chance at all. Well, Deontay, uh, uh, who was the older one, or the, the younger one, I guess, the one that was inside her longer, uh, only lived 42 days, and God knew that, and God knew that ahead of time. But DeAndre, DeAndre, who was 15 ounces, take that bottle, and he was a little smaller than that, a little smaller than that when he was born. And he now has lived, and he was 20 years old, on what would have been my mother's 92nd birthday last May. And I have to tell you, God had plans for that young man because he, even though he has some deficits psychologically, mentally, in the, when he's up in front of the church playing, uh, he's learning to play uh, keyboards and he's learned a long time ago how to play drums, the joy in his face and the joy in which he worships God is just an amazing, amazing thing. You see, God had plans way back then for him and for his life. He called DeAndre by name and he calls us by name. Are we listening? The second truth here in his word is that um, don't be surprised when you pass through tough times. Uh, I love the Bible because there's no whitewashing of characters, is there? I mean, think about it. Think about Abraham. What did he do? He lied about the identity of his wife, right, to save himself. All right. What about Moses? Before God really called him into full-time ministry, if you will, he, he murdered a man out of anger. Now, he was protecting folks, but he murdered the man. What about David? We see that David's called a man after God's own heart, and yet he was not out at war when he was supposed to, and he saw a woman on another uh, roof and committed adultery with her, and then had her husband killed in battle. What about Rahab and Mary Magdalene? We, we hear that they were probably prostitutes and there was, uh, there was uh, uh, how many demons infesting Mary Magdalene? And yet she's the first one that Jesus showed himself to when he was resurrected. You see, so God hasn't whitewashed these characters who blew it. And you, we read in verse 2, when not if you pass through the waters, when you pass through the waters. And we read, when you go through the fire, not if. You see, the Israelites, they were going to walk through the waters, they knew, right? I mean, we know one time they were going to walk through the waters was the Red Sea, right? They were going to walk out of uh, slavery and into freedom by going through the waters. Anyone here testify that you've passed through maybe some deep waters, maybe through some fires, especially in these last couple of years? There have been a few nasty fires for all of us, haven't there? God's promise to you and to us and to, you know, as well as Israel, the Holy One of Israel says, 
He will not let you go. The water is not going to overtake you, and the fire is not going to burn you. Let me tell you, when I was in the middle, middle of my dark night of the soul, I had to hear that and understand that afresh and anew. And it, and it, and it just incredibly uh, transformed my heart. God made it clear to Israel that the water of the Red Sea would not overtake them. Uh, we have even more clear evidence now of God's love and protection and of his saving uh, intention. He sent his only son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to bleed and to die for our sin, our salvation. And he, he walked the earth and in his flesh and blood, he rose from the grave and after his death uh, for our sin. And he came and he assured us that you, he will, that you will walk through deep waters and you'll sometimes face raging fires in your life. But God will save you. God will redeem you because you are his. You're not alone. Finally, the third truth that came out of this particular passage, and this one's a little more broad-based. It's in verses 5 through 7. God's presence with us will one day bring all ethnicities and all people groups, everyone together from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. And, you know, he's beginning to do that, but when he will really do that when the kingdom of God comes to earth fully and completely. He's doing it some now. I see it. I was just at a black church early this morning, and man, I'll tell you, we were rocking and rolling, too. <laughs> the worship was something else. Uh, uh, may I ask, uh, though, does the strife and does the division... Does the family dissension, the racial tensions, maybe in your own family or in your community, in our nation, in our world, do they concern you? Do they concern, you know, do you long for a day when family members and people in various churches and people of different races and ethnicities will love and enjoy one another and love one another as we love our neighbor as ourselves and not worry so much about the differences that we have, but to see the things that we have in common. This third truth is a vision that it's, uh, it will come to reality that God will one day unite all of his people. Look at the text. It says, I, God, will bring your offspring from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up. I will say to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone called by my name and whom I have created for my glory, whom I have formed, even whom I have made. Brothers and sisters in Christ, in, in, in this community and, and in every community, whether, whether they're white or Hispanic or Asian or black, everyone who is called by God's name, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. That's why you see the racial tensions and the ethnicity tensions that are in our country will only be solved by the church of Jesus Christ. Because we're the only ones that truly know that Jesus 
is our common Lord and Savior, and it makes us family. It makes us truly brothers and sisters in Christ. And when we're gathered from one day, we'll be gathered from all parts of the ends of the earth in unity as brothers and sisters in Christ. God, you know, has said that, and he said that his kingdom will come and his will will be done on earth as it's done in heaven. So we're to participate in that gathering, all sorts of people, at the foot of the cross. At the foot of the cross, and is, and because the foot of the cross, is there's, there's, there's level ground there for all of us. No matter what we've done in the past, no matter what's in our lives, no matter what we've thought of or what we've uh, not done in our lives in the past, the ground at the foot of the cross is level. And so, my friends, the blood of Jesus Christ was shed for all of us, for all of humankind. So let's come now. We're going to come to this table. And this, too, is a table that none of us could deserve, but that Jesus gives us by his grace, by his mercy, he gives us this table, this table that will nourish us that will encourage us that will that will cleanse us that will strengthen our spirits even in difficult times so you're called by his name let's not be surprised when we come across difficult times because they come in this world and let's help god let's let's assist him let's be on his team as he gathers folks from all races and walks of life, from the north and from the south, and from the east and from the west, into his wonderful family. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for your word that you gave to the prophet Isaiah so many years ago. And Lord, this word that encourages us this day no matter what's going on in our lives personally but, or in our families or in our community or in our nation and in, in our world, Lord, we know that you know all about this. And you have called us, each and every one of us by name, and you have a purpose for our lives, just as you have a purpose for Deontay's life and just as you've had a purpose for uh, my life and all of our lives together you have a purpose that you want us to cooperate with you to be partners with you can can we imagine that that you would partner with us your creation to see your kingdom come and your will be done uniting your people from the north and the south and the east and the west thank you jesus we pray this in your matchless name. And the people of God said together, Amen. Amen.